So we're going to ask Brother Mickey to go ahead and lead us in prayer for today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your blessings that has brought us together, Lord, once again to study your word, to lean upon your understanding, not ours. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have poured out on us this week. Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your love for us. We continue to lift up highly to you today, Heavenly Father. You see the need in our life, Father. Help her, O oh God, Lord, to receive you. Lord, we know that uh, even though in a coma, Heavenly Father, they still hear and they understand, Lord, we just pray that the anointing presence of the Holy Spirit would minister to her, Heavenly Father, and give her strength, healing in her body, Lord, but more than anything, heal her in her spirit, Lord, to give her peace and rest in your love. Lord, we thank you now, and we ask you to be with her son, Lord, and her uh, boyfriend, Lord, we just ask you to touch them, Lord, and help them to understand that there is a reason for this time in their lives. Father, we just ask you to undergird them, be with uh, Sherry, Heavenly Father, in this time, give her strength, wisdom, and your presence and your anointing upon her life. Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the healing in our land. Lord, thank you for the healing of this COVID-19 situation. Father, we know that we're coming through it with praise and glorifying your name. Lord, we thank you for that you have given us rest and peace and in your love and your strength and your presence and your power. In thy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Speaking of COVID, uh, on the uh, Huckabee show last night, I don't know if anybody saw it or not, they, they, they had a cute phrase in there about, you know, Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, and so he said, we need to get on that road to demask us so we don't have the mask anymore. Of course, the, he had a ventriloquist on there with a dummy, and he said, those masks are great for ventriloquists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me. That, that's that Taylor guy. But anyway, um, I like that phrase, you know, demask us. <laughs> yeah. Today we're looking at some more concerning the scriptures difficult to understand. And uh, today we're at puzzling sayings of Jesus. Really, there's a lot of puzzling sayings that Jesus made because we know that the disciples especially were puzzled at what he said many times. And they'd, they would ask him privately, just what did that mean, you know? And so he said, what's... Well, I'll be glad to explain it to you and because uh, he talked mostly in parables and and uh, it was good stories but it was hard for people to understand the true meaning behind it so they were puzzling sayings our key verse is Luke 8 10 he that's Jesus said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Like I said, that's what he told his disciples when they asked him questions about what he had said. So he said, it's unto you to know the mysteries. Um, and then we find that um, the scriptures do not record a, court, a course everything that Jesus did and what he said, according to John 21, 25, John said Jesus did many other things as well. 
I imagine if everything was written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. You can go to any library today and you can find a lot of books that have been written about Jesus. And so he said, uh, I don't even think the world could hold all the books that were written. So we know that they could not tell us everything Jesus did and everything Jesus said. But uh, John points out the fact, but these are written that you might believe who he is. And that's, that was the purpose of not only John's writings, but also Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's easy to forget that Jesus walked the earth for approximately 33 years, yet even when the time came for his death, resurrection, and ascension, his followers had questions. God's ways truly are different from our ways. And of course, he was a masterful teacher. He displayed great skill at grabbing the attention of his disciples and getting them to think deeply about what he was saying. Jesus often taught by using hyperbole, which is a rhetorical method that uses obvious exaggeration for effects, such as when he said, if your eye causes you to stumble, just gouge it out and throw it away. Well, he did not intend his hearers to take his words literally by practicing self-mutilation. But reading the verse in the context, you'll discover he was teaching the importance of not allowing things in our lives that would keep us from entering the kingdom of God. And so that's why I said if you're, if, if you're doing something or involved with something that will hit, hinder you from following the Lord and serving God, you need to get rid of it. And so Jesus tried to say about a true disciple should uh, live as his people, what he is saying about the kingdom of God, his will, or even about himself. So um, that's what we call the introduction to the study. And now we're going to get into the scriptures starting with part one about the shrewd steward that brother thurman has for us in luke 16 1 through 9. thank you brother clemens all right this morning we'll be reading saint luke the 16th chapter verses 1 through 9 and it reads he said unto his disciples there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear of, of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said unto himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. 
Then, the, uh, then said he to the other, How much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourself friends and of mammons of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. So this was this saying of Jesus that has been kind of puzzling because it seems like he's honoring this steward or this uh, financial um, person of, in charge of the household, the manager of a household, kind of like Joseph, you know, in Potiphar's house. Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's house. So in, when you read scriptures, uh, you'll see the word Lord, and it's a little L, whereas Jesus is capital L. So don't think that he's talking about the Lord uh, Christ. He's just talking about his master, his employer, however you want to refer to him. And so that's why it it uses Lord in there, but it's it's not referring to Jesus. Um, so this rich man, they, rich men are so would hire someone to help manage their household. Like I said, Joseph was one that Potiphar hired to take care of his financial situation. And so the steward will, um, had done wrong somehow and had uh, either made bad investments or was embezzling, we don't know, but uh, Jesus just said that, that he was in trouble <laughs> with his Lord or his master. And so he, he heard that the master was gonna let him go. <laughs> and so he, he was concerned about what would happen if he was let, let go because uh, he didn't want to go out and dig or do a lot of hard physical labor, and uh, he definitely didn't want to be thrown into prison. So <laughs> he just devised a way of maybe finding somebody that will favor him where if after he's discharged, they'll go ahead and hire him to help them. And so he goes to these debtors of the master and asked them how much they owed the master. And the first one said a, a hundred um, measures of oil. And he said, well, take the bill, which had that hundred measures, scratch out the hundred and sit down and write 50. So he said, uh, if you can't pay the hundred, maybe you can pay the 50, you know. And, and so then he wasn't as generous with the next one, if you notice, that, that the other one also owed 100 measures of wheat this time. And he said, well, take your bill and write 80, four score. And so that was just a 20% cut. But anyway, he went to these debtors that way and 
said, if you can't pay that full amount, uh, you can settle for less than that amount. I'm sure all of you that have had credit cards and, and loans and things, you'll get a letter in the mail sometimes that will say, well, you owe 12000 but it, you can settle now for 6000 if you'll just send a check. You know? Of course, I might as well say $6 million for me because I usually don't have the 6000 either. <laughs> that was on that car they repossessed on me. They still say I owe 12000 on that. Um, so anyway, uh, so that is practice even today is what I'm saying, the credit card companies and different ones because it, it's usually not the original company doing it, it's the collection agencies that are doing it because the original ones have probably already given, forgiven it and, and wrote it off. Um, but anyway, uh, way back in Jesus' days, <laughs> Uh, there was this steward that was practicing what the credit card companies <laughs> do, you know, because that way his master got some money, and otherwise he wouldn't have got any money in. And so this pleased the master that that this steward acted shrewdly, as it says, uh, which means cunning or or wise. And uh, so then Jesus said at the end, make. Or the Lord uh, uh, said, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say to you, so make yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. So Jesus talks a lot about wealth and money, you know, and and so he was uh, giving this illustration of how that um, this man uh, or this steward was very shrewd and and handled this debt situation where the master would get some money out of it instead of not getting anything. And so he talks about being faithful when he said in the next verse, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So if you have not been faithful in unrighteous uh, mammon, who will then commit to you your trust that is true riches? So then we come to another puzzling thing, which has to do with turning the other cheek. And in Matthew's Gospel, the uh, fifth chapter, which of course is part of the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 39, Jesus says, But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 
So it's that one verse, but that's what the whole section's about, about turning the other cheek. And um, it's interesting the way he put it. He said, whoever smites you on the right cheek, I'll use you here. If, if I was going to smite him on the right cheek, it won't be like this, because that'd be his left. But it'd be a backhanded, you see, and so that, that stings a lot more and hurts a lot more. So, and that, that is a vicious, a vicious way of doing it. And uh, so he said, even if they violently strike you on your right cheek with their right hand, which would be a backslap, just turn to him the other cheek also. So knowing when to speak and when to remain silent is a type of wisdom, yet most people struggle with it. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus presented this new ethic of the kingdom of God. I'm not sure we're still on the air. Uh, it is deeply connected to the ethics and moral behavior described in the law, but often goes beyond it. Jesus, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, would say, you know, it has been said, or what the law says, but I say unto you, and he gives it a more stricter definition than what the law did, what the law said. But cruelty was common when it came to retaliation in the ancient world. The Old Testament law in itself took a big step toward limiting the, that cruelty. Most people are familiar with the expression, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which means the punishment should uh, uh, re, uh, reflect what the crime was. Yeah. So if someone takes your eye out, you can take his eye out or your tooth out. I've been losing some teeth lately. <laughs> um, I was just brushing my teeth the other night, and a tooth came out. So <laughs> I, I'm going to have to see Mr. Dennis pretty soon. But uh, so if if you see some spaces in my mouth, if I smile, it's because I've been losing some teeth. And I guess that comes along with old age sometimes, getting getting you ready for those dentures and things. But anyway... Um, So it would easily be, you know, especially if someone smit you as hard as, you know, we were talking about, it might lose, might knock a tooth loose, you know. And uh, so if you lose a tooth, then you can, you can have the one that smit you <laughs> lose a tooth also. I think we would probably... Uh, be more of a deterrent to crime if we did have the punishment fit the crime. You know, if, if someone axed a person to death, they need to be axed to death themselves. But no, we just give them a little shot, you know, and let them go off into Bolivian. And so that's not much of a, a deterrent. Let me get your mind. This is talking about when someone does something to you. Personally. 
it's it's showing unconditional love and it means to me that you don't want them to go to hell you'll do what you do to get them to heaven now and i we used to tell our girls it doesn't say to lay down and be a doormat right but it says to keep relationship open and i don't know if that's right or wrong but that's the way the lord reveals it to me but the other is if there is because the bible also new testament says for you to follow the law to the best of your ability Mm -hmm. and if you do you have to if you don't then you there's a punishment for you it it never did away with civil law right but this is you know when someone does hurt you you forgive Right. That's what that's Jesus did. That's what he was saying about turn the other cheek. Yeah, yeah to, two different things. To just go ahead and let them hit you on the other side. <laughs> yeah. In other words, don't retaliate yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It really does. It doesn't tell you to be abused. No, no, you're not supposed to be abused. But on the other hand, we shouldn't, again, like we studied last Sunday, Vengeance is God's, not ours. We're not to take vengeance on our own uh, defense. But uh, Asher does a great job with that, and one of the best things he said was, like with his stepfather, he has forgiven him. Right. But he doesn't take his kids over there. He said it never tells you to bring the kittens to the snake. Right. You know, that's going to eat it. You don't. You don't do that. Right. Okay, he's smart. That ties back in with the first part, being shrewd. Right. Amen. So then we have some examples that Alyssa's going to read concerning Jesus himself that was smitten uh, on the cheek or mouth. Uh, in John 18, 19 through 23, we're going to let Alyssa read that. Say John chapter 18, verses 19 through 23. And it reads, the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard of me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answers thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Okay. Good reading. And uh, we see that Jesus had to practice what he preached because they not only smit him here, but they they kept on smiting him during that trial that was such a mockery of a trial. But um, if you notice, they wanted to try to get him to give out names of his disciples so they could interrogate them, you know, in that first verse of 19. The high priest asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine or teaching. So Jesus did not uh, let them know about his disciples. He just said, I've spoke openly, you know, in the temple and, and uh, 
synagogues. And um, so he said, don't ask me, ask them which heard me. And, of course, that infuriated the high priest. So uh, the priest had someone that was close to Jesus to be struck with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? And then Jesus answered and said, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of that evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? No. We've heard, you know, that Jesus was silent in his trial, but we've pointed out before that it mentions silent in the fact of not defending himself. He didn't defend himself, but he did defend his disciples and made sure that, that they were not uh, in danger by telling them who his disciples were. And also we uh, have heard from Perry Stone that when, when Peter got real anxious, you know, and, and cut off the ear of that, that uh, temple guard that came against Jesus in the garden, that Jesus touched his ear and healed it, or were the, and he did a creative miracle, really, put another ear on there. I don't think he picked it up off the ground and s tried to glue it to him, you know, because he is the creator. And so Perry Stone pointed out the fact that they would have had a accusation against Peter if, if he had cut off the ear, you know, and, and he was bleeding and everything. And so Jesus got rid of that evidence that would be against Peter when he healed that, uh, I, I want to say soldier, but it, it was the temple guards or the temple soldiers, not the Roman soldiers. Um, but so um, there again, Jesus made sure that Peter wasn't in trouble with the uh, temple by uh, having that against him uh, now they had different priests in Jesus day they had Annas they had Caiaphas I better look at their spelling here C-A, not H. C-A-I-A. P-H-A-S. And they were related because uh, Caiaphas was the son-in-law of Annas. And they would take turns being priests sometimes. And so this is one reason why uh, Paul and different ones didn't really know who the priest was at that particular time. Of course, with Paul, there was another one, Ananias. And I don't know what his relation w was to those, but uh, the commentary does mention the fact that, that Caiaphas 
was the son-in-law of Annas. So he married Annas' daughter, evidently. Uh, <coughs> but anyway, uh, they would uh, uh, interchange sometimes who the high priest was. And so this is, it doesn't say Jesus didn't know who the high priest was because he knows everyone, you know. But uh, when we come to Paul, we'll see that he said he wished not that he was the high priest concerning Ananias. Um, but um, what I was going to say is that that's why they smote him because they... Uh, They thought he was being, giving a smart answer, you know, that, why ask me? Ask those that heard me. Also, uh, I was reading another commentary that said that Annas, at this trial, was probably not sitting in a judgment seat, but was sitting with the rest of the Sanhedrin, and, and so... Uh, he just gave the order to have him be smitten. And uh, that was another way of not discerning that he was the priest uh, that some would have trouble with. Of course, Jesus knew who the priest was. But we do come to Paul now in Acts 23, 1 through 5, that Kay has for us and find where he is ordered to be smitten. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, you dare to insult God's high priest? Paul answered, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Okay. Now you would think Paul would know who the high priest was, but when Paul started his ministry, it was either Annas or Caiaphas. And... Uh, because this new one, Ananias, took over way later than that. And so Paul wasn't aware of the change of the high priest. So that's why he didn't understand that Ananias now was the high priest. Let's see, that was... <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, now we come to one more reference, and that is in Romans 13, because all of these are saying, you know, we, we know that we need to respect those that are in authority, and uh, so... Uh, 
they didn't understand who was in authority. <laughs> Mickey has Romans 13, 1 through 4 that tells us about truly respecting beliefs of those that are in authority. Romans chapter 18, 1 through 4. 13. 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that he be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinances of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to the good works, but to the evil. Wait then, thou then, not be afraid of the power. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of good God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he heareth not the sword, or beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Okay. Thank you, brother. Did you have any comments on that? Well, it's, it's just like uh, we are today. Uh, I was in the military, so some of those officers, you can't hardly stand, but you got to respect the uniform that they wear because they're the leadership. Right. And the same is true today. No matter who's in the presidential office, we've got to respect him right. and, and uh, pray for him. And sometimes it's hard, but right. uh, our leaders are put in. Most people don't do not realize they vote, but God's gonna put the man or the woman in office. That, and sometimes, if, just like in the Old Testament, he people put people in office, in leadership, that were destructive and uh, against persecuted his people. But it was to bring them back, and God still does the same thing today. He puts people in places to bring his people back to where they need to be. Amen. And doesn't that tie into the turn the other cheek? We pray for someone, you know, even though right. we disagree right. or whatever, I'm to pray for them. That's turning the other cheek. For them, yeah. For, for, them. for them. Yeah, not to them, for them. Right. Yeah, pray for them. I mean, it's kind of silly to pray against them because then you're hurting your own self. So that's, right. Jesus got a lot of good common sense. Right. And also, it, it does show us not only to respect the governor or the president, but also the police, really, because uh, the police are the ones that they're talking about there that doesn't carry that gun or whatever the weapon is, you know, in vain. That And uh, he said, if you're doing good, they're not going to bother you, you know. It's but it's the evil ones that they go after. The problems we're having today result from home. Children are not taught to respect authority. Right. And therefore, we're in the situation today. Uh, I blame a lot of it on these video games that portray the evil, mm -hmm. and they, they think it's all a game. Life is not a, a game that you can play yeah. consequences when you do wrong. Life is a 
games that God wants you to go straight. And if you don't go straight, then you got to suffer the consequences. Right. Yeah, especially when you hear these mass shootings, you know. They're used to doing that on video games, you know. They well, on video games, you can kill them, but they're going to jump right back up. Yeah. And I think mentally, a lot of these young people, especially young children, mm -hmm. think, well, life is just a game. You can shoot them, and they're going to jump right back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, we wrap them out in their flesh and blood. So right. who knows that it is the devil that's behind them uh -huh. who's got them into this kingdom of darkness. Yeah. So that that's really what's really going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, whenever there's a mass shooting, they always say in the news, you know, we don't know what the motive was. I do. It's the devil behind it. Yeah. Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the devil does. Well, I, I will testify because before I was saved, like I said, I was playing, and I, I really was having a little problem with some of the real violent games. But then let you know, me and Tevin started playing together, but boy, once the Lord comes, you clean house. That stuff is no longer right. That's yeah. That's part about cutting yeah. it off. So that's you know? why he made a mention. But see, I've been there. And, but that's what I did. But when the Lord saved me, oh, no, you don't want nothing to have to do with that stuff. So I thank the Lord for delivering me from playing games like that. Oh, yeah. I know. That's my son's problem. He yeah. just plays video games oh, yeah. all the time, you know, when he's not working. And, uh, well, and it, it beats working because if you want to do that, that's got to get out and work. need to honor and respect those in authority definitely and we need to pray for our police because there are some bad police out there that are, that are 
are overstepping the line, as we say, you know, and and uh, especially the racial situation. That's not good at all, you know, that they would uh, arrest someone just because of the color of their skin or, or give them a hard time. Uh, but it does mention several times that they are ministers of God and that he's the one that has ordained the police to uh, be able to protect us and uh, against evil and uh, crime. So uh, this idea of defunding the police, that is not scriptural at all, and it's anti-scriptural, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I wouldn't want to live in a town right now that didn't have the police. Um, okay, now we come to the last part, and we've got one minute for it. The, this generation shall not pass. Sherry's going to read that to us in Matthew 24. 29 through 35. All right. 29. All right. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. All right. Good reading. So that definitely has been a puzzling passage because people are saying, well, that means it's going to be after the tribulation when the rapture takes place. But Jesus was not talking about the rapture. He was talking about his second coming when he comes in great power and great glory. Because you have the uh, rapture that takes place seven years before the tribulation. And then after seven years of the tribulation, you have the revelation, as we call it. And that's what Jesus is talking about that it's true the coming of the Lord and great power and great glory where I every eye will see him will take place after the tribulation and the King James it plainly says that immediately after the tribulation shall the sun be uh, darkened and the moon will not give her light stars shall fall from heaven that's going to be a quite a sight you know all that happening and the powers of heaven, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Those that have read the Left Behind series, they talk about that sign probably being the sign of the cross, that they'll see a, a big cross up in the sky. Um, and that could be, because it just says the sign of the Son of Man before they see him come. And, and all the earth will mourn. 
and they'll see then the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now this sounds like a rapture. He'll send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. This gathering together of that the angels are going to do is to bring the people from other nations to uh, the judgment of nations. And so they're going to gather the other nations together to, to bring them to that judgment of nations. So it's not talking about the rapture there where we meet the Lord in the air and are forever with him. But this has been a puzzling thing, definitely. Uh, we have great preachers such as, as uh, uh, Pat Robertson and others, you know, that believe that it's plainly saying that the rapture takes place at the end of the tribulation. But it's not the rapture. They didn't ask about the rapture. They wanted to know about his coming when he comes again. And the rapture was revealed to Paul later on. He said, behold, I show you a mystery because it was hidden. And so Paul reveals about the rapture. Uh, the closest thing to Jesus talking about the rapture would be in Luke's gospel, the 21st chapter, in verse 36, where he says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So that'd be the closest thing that Jesus was refer referring to the rapture. Of course, Jesus knew about the rapture, but the disciples didn't know. And so anyway, he said the important thing is to keep your prayer life up and that you'll be counted worthy to escape all these things after he was talking about the tribulation. So we believe in the assemblies of God and others that we can escape the tribulation because uh, we're not appointed unto wrath but unto salvation. And there's a lot of verses that mentions the fact that uh, we can escape the tribulation because the tribulation is the wrath of God, whereas persecution is the wrath of man. We may not escape persecution, and, and a lot of people have given their lives in persecution, but it's the wrath of man, the persecution, where the tribulation is the wrath of God. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that, that you have everything under control and that we just need to be looking for your coming, Lord, and to watch and guard ourselves that we won't be caught <clears throat> in a way that we wouldn't want to be caught when you come back. We should live every second as if you're coming in the next second. For that's how quickly you, you are coming in that rapture, the twinkling of an eye. And we thank you, Lord, for this day, this Palm Sunday, as we celebrate your triumphant entry into Jerusalem and the people waved palm, palm branches and, and said, Hosanna in the highest. And Lord, we thank you for this day and for your anointing upon the service to follow. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. God bless you. Appreciate the, the lively discussion. I just hope it gets on tape. <laughs>